Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor, Jamie Miller. Hey, good morning, everybody. Wow, you look wonderful. So I was just, yes, you. <laughs> and you back there in the back. It's fun. Okay, everybody doing all right? We had a couple of great vision nights this past week and uh, just said, you know, just uh, one on Sunday night, one on Wednesday night and talking about ultimately building out this, uh, this big box room on the north side of the building here. It used to be the Colonial Cafeteria back in the day. If you go back far enough, that's what it was. But uh, we're excited about that and uh, looking forward to the future. Today is Life Group Connection Sunday, and so just want to encourage you guys, if you're not connected, find a life group. It's just a huge part of who we are as a people. Just the whole community dynamic is just, some people say, well, man, there's a lot of life here. Well, there's a lot of life because there's life happening in the from house to house and in discipleship and those kinds of things. So just a little encouragement there. And uh, I don't know if David Sandusky's in this uh in this service or not, but um, yeah, he actually is. And uh, one of the, I, on Wednesday night we were talking, and he was just telling me how uh, he had actually been paying a pastoral visit to somebody who'd gone into the hospital in their life group last week, and and uh, he said I was there when the doctor uh, gave it was said, said it was going to be two weeks, she was going to have to stay in the hospital, and then just a couple days later the doctor said you're fine, free to go, and his major answer to prayer. And but but the thing that hit me, he didn't. This wasn't his point, but he was there. You know, he was there in the in the hospital room with the doctor when the doctor came in. And I just as a point of community and having people in our lives and having people there when the stuff's going down, absolutely huge. Open your Bibles to Galatians chapter three. We're continuing our third part in a series looking at chapter three today. Galatians three, and we're going to start with the end, which kind of summarizes what's going on in the chapter. So, verse 26, you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, or the faithfulness of Christ Jesus. We were making that point last week. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So it's some really good news we're going to unpack here a little bit. And he's summarizing the points that we've kind of been making in the series so far. We started off with the gospel in week one and talked about that we've been rescued from our sins, rescued from this present evil age because Jesus Christ is crucified, resurrected, and therefore not just Israel's Messiah, but the Messiah of the world, the King and the Lord of the entire world. And that's really good news. And it's a declaration. It's not just something you decide about whether or not you're going to respond to or not. It is the truth declaration. Jesus Christ is crucified, resurrected, and therefore the true King and the Lord of the world. Amen. Yes. And then we talked about the table last week. The one table. But there's not the, the table for the really spiritual people, or the people that do the, most of the stuff that we think we need to be doing all the time. And then the, the lesser table, big F, little F fellowship, Kind of little at the kids' table, wishing you were over there with everybody else that was really important. It doesn't work like that in the kingdom. One giant table. Everybody's in. All our different ethnicities that are represented in the room, everybody's in. 
And we have to work at this. I mean, the Jews had to work at letting the Gentiles in. And if we're majority culture, we've got to work at, at hey, we've got to reach out to people. We've got to share meals. We've got to figure, out, figure this thing out because we are one family. Kim and I saw the biggest table I've ever seen in my life in Dubai. Uh, the, the, the Dubai Mall is it's like bigger than any intergalactic universal. It's, it's the biggest mall in the world. I'll just put it that way. And we were walking, we were on the fourth floor, and we were looking down on the bottom floor. You couldn't get down there because there were security guards and everything. But there was a table that went for like 250 yards, and I'm not kidding. It was like sat a thousand people or more. It was unbelievable, gaudy, flagrant. Some prince or somebody was having a big time meal. And it was one table for all. The biggest table I've ever seen. Imagine the one table at the wedding supper of the Lamb. You know, come on, just like, wow. We just kept walking. We're like, what? This is incredible. So we talked about the gospel. We talked about the table. And right at the end of last week, we talked about the faithfulness of Jesus Christ and how it's not just our faith in Christ, but it's the faithfulness of Christ. And even how I use an NIV 84, but the NIV 11, the updated version, even puts that in the footnotes. Not just Greek scholars sitting around talking about that stuff. That is a, a, a legit way to translate. It's not just our faith in Christ, like, I hope I have enough. But it's the faithfulness that was a state fair swinging a, everybody's like, what was he, what did he just do? So, you know, the state fair, you swing the hammer thing and it drives. And it's like, I hope I have enough faith, you know, to knock the thing up and maybe get saving faith one day. But it's no, it's the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. He's done it all. He's at the dead center. And so what we tend to do in our fallenness is underestimate the faithfulness of Jesus and overestimate what we do in our part in walking out salvation in life. And so we end up putting other stuff in the center there. Like the Jews, they were putting Jesus plus the law. And for us, it's probably not the law. We're not tempted to go get circumcised and keep special days and you know all those kinds of things. But but we do we are tempted with other stuff in our fallenness, and especially because we've kind of overemphasized uh, the right kind of our faith rather than the faithfulness of Jesus. We tend to do put head things in that circle. So it's supposed to be just Jesus, right? But it's it's they did Jesus plus the law. We'll do Jesus plus. Because we're like sometimes see ourselves as like a stick with a big head, and we got to think all the right things, or we're lost. Wow, that's heavy. So we'll put Jesus plus being right in there. Anybody ever do that? Jesus plus you got to be right about a whole bunch of stuff. Everybody thinking with me, you know? And I I grew up in one of those traditions where it was like we were we're right, we're right, we're right, we're the rightest ones of all. We're righter than all of you guys. And, and, and it took great pride in being right about, just, and it really wasn't a big long list of stuff. It was just some stuff that that group did really well or emphasized a lot. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> some of y'all know where I'm coming from on that. And so it's a big deal. And uh, so our rightness uh, can become a source of Pride. Whatever we put in that circle with Jesus really ends up being an idol to us. It ends up being something that takes honor and glory away from Jesus and His faithfulness and what what He's done to... uh, And and even what I mentioned last week, the 
the fundamentalism and the liberal debates of 80 or 100 years ago and this kind of dichotomy that formed in the body of Christ, this, this false dichotomy of the people that believe the right things and the people that are really trying to do all this stuff. And so what happened in that, we would say we're right, we're right, we're right, and point at the people who were wrong. And what the, the, the fruit of that, what we reaped in the church over time is hypocrisy. Because it's okay to believe the right things, but not do them. Get a witness out there. It's, it's, it's true. I mean, it's like that's, that's, what, that's what happens. And so, Lord, help us. We want to just be trusting in You and not stick other stuff in that circle. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's, that's where we're going with this. And what's, what's at stake here? And I talked about this last week, but just as a refresher, so the Jews... And uh, as they lived under Torah, under the law, it wasn't for them a system of works righteousness that they were trying to do all these things right and then one day get to heaven. It was the law is what marked them out as the people of God. So, so the law is what pushed back the chaos and was a tutor, like a teacher that helped them get along until the time when Messiah comes and then makes everything right for all people. But it's, it's a, it's a mark them out thing. And when we look at it as a works righteousness kind of thing, it causes us to so focus on the decision part of our faith that we, we miss out or we are confused when we start hearing Jesus go, come follow me. Pick up your cross. Leave your relationships that aren't drawing you closer to me. And, and love your enemies. Like, like, we don't have to do that stuff because we believe the right things. You see, you see the tension. I've been wrestling with this for 30 years. I'm serious. How to say this? It's a big deal. Uh, one of the things I, I discovered I didn't know was a deal was this past week, um, college admission celebrations. So like they get the, what, the, what they do is they get the family around. Everybody gets the family and put on the shirt, Brown or Yale or Dartmouth or Stanford or, you know, whatever the college they're waiting on. And the whole family gets around. Same story plot line on all these videos is, is the, the big reveals coming. And they all gather around and they hit the thing. It starts to open up the acceptance or rejection letter. And then they look at it and they're reading. Ah! They go crazy. Sorry, I didn't mean to scare anybody. And they go crazy and they're you know, high-fiving and hugging. And I should have just showed the video. It might have worked better. And just going crazy. And I was like, that's it. That's perfect. Because that shows like you're in, but you're in and now you're invited to a life of study and work and taking tests and growing up and showing up. And, and this is life in the kingdom. It's not just, woo! And now we're kind of waiting around for Jesus to come. There's a life he wants us to live. There's stuff that we've, we're called to do. You know, so just absolutely huge. So into this framework, into this, uh, this, <laughs> not a shape. <laughs> I can't even do a little celebration without getting out of breath. <laughs> so into this framework, Galatians 3. Here's the main thing. We're one family in Christ, participating in God's story. That's the huge part. We're story people. We're participating in the story of God. And we treasure the unity that God gives us together. You know, verse 29 there 
It says we're a part of Abraham's family. We're a part of the family. How did that happen? Why does it matter? And this story reframes all of life for everybody. So put the picture up if you would. I started listening to this series from Regent College. A number of us were up there just recently in Vancouver. And uh, they're doing this thing called Reframed. And I thought, man, this is brilliant. They took this stained glass, piece of stained glass, and they would hang it up and they would put it over different, in front of different scenes, like the, the, some of the buildings or the houses, uh, the apartments there in Vancouver, and different scenes. Somebody's work, people walking down the street. And imagine seeing all of life through the lens of the crucified and resurrected Lord who is King of the world. Like, you're, you're gonna see people different. You're gonna see the story different. You're gonna see life different when you're going around everywhere with that framing of life in front of you. Jesus Christ, crucified, resurrected, Lord of the world. So, uh, for the, for the blank people, uh, the left brain, I, I don't have clear points today. <laughs> I'm gonna, we're just gonna read through the chapter. But, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and give you the points because I know you want them. So it's one family, one story, one baptism. And the thing is, this chapter, it's just like layer upon layer upon layer. It's not real. It's, it's not just you, point one, point two. They keep kind of coming back up. And so that's why I'm giving them to you like that. Here we go. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. You foolish Galatians. So I need to stop right there. <laughs> Didn't get very far. Anybody ever heard of Philip's translation? It's this Bible that was written back in the 60s or 70s or something. This guy translated the Bible. And uh, he says this line. I just always remember this line from that translation. It's like, you dear idiot Galatians. <laughs> oh, you dear idiot Galatians. I just, that just stuck with me. It's like, help me to understand. Like These guys were doing something they shouldn't do. They're going backwards. They've been given life. They've been given the very presence, the Spirit of God, but now they're going to chunk that to go back into slavery and bondage. Bad decision. You foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit... Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Doing the law, that is. Have you suffered so much for nothing? If it really was for nothing, does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? And this is, uh, this is what we give up. It's not, it could be the law, but it could be any time we're putting other stuff in that circle where Jesus goes. It's just Jesus and His faithfulness. And we put our trust and our hope in Him and it's not our, do you believe 92 of the right things, but you don't believe 93? Sorry. Ah! Some of you know what that was a reference to. But you see how that works? It's like God's given us His Spirit. The contrast is God lives in us. God comes and lives in us by His Spirit. Jesus, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, having fellowship in us by His Spirit. It's like really... Really good news. Or chunk that and go back to our old life of slavery and bondage. And really, that's the contrast he's hitting on in these next couple of chapters. Are you going to walk in freedom? Or are you going to walk in bondage? Are you going to walk in the freedom of the Spirit or the bondage of the law? This, this, this system. And uh, so 
Let's keep going. Consider Abraham. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the Gospel in advance to Abraham. I love that. The Gospel is being announced to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. I mean, this is really good news for, I, you know, I suppose we probably have some Jewish background folks, but the majority of us, the majority are just the nations. We're the, we're the other ethnicities besides Jewish. That's what Gentiles means. And so that's us. And it's like really good news that that promise isn't just for Abraham's family, but it's for all who would be included in his family through Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? Just uh, really, really good news. So, let's keep going. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of law. Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. And so what that's pointing to, the story behind the story on that, is that in Deuteronomy, at the end of the giving of the law, Deuteronomy 27 and 28, uh, God gives these, these promises that basically curses are coming if you don't fulfill the law. That's what's coming. And the promise is that you're not going to be able to do it. And so the result is you're going to be banished, go back into slavery, you're going to be exiled from the land. And so there's this longing in the hearts of Jews you know, everywhere for this return. Not, they were in the land physically, but they were still under Roman oppression. So they, they were there, but it was like they hadn't returned really from exile. And so there, there was that longing there. That's what's in behind that. And so God, praise the Lord, in Deuteronomy 29, God doesn't leave them in that cursed situation, but He Himself promises that I'm going to come. I'm going to come and make things right. I'm going to circumcise your hearts. I'm going to write my law on your hearts. I'm going to make it to where you want to love me and where you want to love others. And he goes on even further there and he says, look, it's not like you have to bring heaven down. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm going to bring heaven to you. And the word of salvation, it's not far away. It's in your heart. And you confess with your mouth. And you believe in your heart. Paul picks up on this in Romans 10. And this is how we're made right. Uh, Really good news. And that's the story behind the story. So Jesus then comes as the Messiah. He takes that curse upon Himself, takes that curse with Him, old Adam, into the grave and is raised a new creation. He ushers in the new creation for the world to see. Okay? So that's what's it's kind of the story behind the story on that verse. Verse 14, He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Amen. Really good news. So we're included in the family and we're included in the story. Brothers, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that's been duly established, so it is in this case. And let me just say something about covenant because we don't always think covenant. We think uh, we don't think Torah, what what the law was. This, uh, it, you know, the law. I touched on it just a second ago, but 
It's like what God was doing through Moses was to separate the people. He's separating them out so that they'll be separate from the nations until the time when the Messiah comes and this promise goes to everybody. Does that make sense? So that's a thinking covenant and God's going to fulfill that even whether we're faithful or not. We don't think that way. We think contract. See the difference? Covenant, Torah, and then contract, especially as it got unpacked in the Reformation, it's, they're using the word, the, the, uh, the Latin word lex, not Torah, but the concept of, of, of contract law. And it's different. Contract law is you do these things and the person you're in a contract with, they promise to do certain things. And to the extent that we buy into that way of thinking, instead of covenantal thinking, we buy into contract law thinking, it turns us into performance, works-oriented people that if we can just do enough and toe the line, then we will condition God to do the promises that He said He would do to us. And it's, it's just, it's, it's funky thinking. It's, it's fallen thinking. It's, it's thinking that, the reason I say fallen thinking is because it, it keeps us kind of on the throne of right and wrong and what God owes me. And when really we've got to just boil this thing down, not the Jesus plus stuff, but just down to the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. He's done it all. He's done it all. And, and, and my point in that isn't that we would not do anything, but that we would be set free to be radical followers of Jesus Christ. Out of that fullness of His faithfulness and His grace. Let's keep going. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The Scripture does not say and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. So this whole promise gets boiled straight down, focused all the way down through the Jewish people down into one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I mean is this. The law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. Everybody tracking on that? That's, that's absolutely huge. God's promise, He's faithful to it. He's faithful to His promise that all nations are going to be blessed and a part of the Abrahamic family through Jesus Christ. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on a promise. But God in His grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. What then was the purpose of law? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise had referred had come. The law was put into effect through angels by a mediator. A mediator, however, does not represent just one party, but God is one. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law could be given that could impart life, the righteousness, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But the Scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin, so that what was promised being given through faith in Christ or the faithfulness of Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. It's just huge. Before this faith came, we were, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. So the point here is it's like a it's the law is like a tutor. Pedagogos is the Greek word. Pedagogue is, is a, a teacher and that holds a young child's hand and helps them along the way. So that's what the law was doing with the Jewish people until the Messiah comes. And we all know what it's like to like need leading and help along the way because we're being led, but we're 
you know, we're ADD and we're doing all the stuff we want to do and in our, in our hearts and all that. So the law is helping them to get to the place where then Messiah comes. So it's one family and one story. And again, this the covenant and the contract thing, that part of the reason having some language for contract is it's important for us. Waking up. Like waking up to go, okay, yeah, I don't want to do that. I want to just trust in the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Because if I get into this contract kind of thinking, then I'm, I, I either go to one extreme and get in the one ditch or the other, which is legalism. I think I can actually do it. And there's only one person who can live the Christian life. His name is Jesus. And so I, I get in this legal thing, or I get over here in this license thing. It doesn't matter. Just grace abounds, and I'm going to just live however I want to live. And it's not that either. It's, it's, it's Jesus has done it all, but it's a call for us to follow Him now with our whole hearts to obey Him and to walk in His grace and life and love and joy. It's the best life. It's the best life there is walking with Him. And then that helps to set up this last piece, the baptism piece. You're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you, or through the faithfulness of Christ Jesus, for all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, Male nor female. For you are all one in Christ, Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Okay, so on the baptism, baptism is surrender. It's, it's saying, yes, Lord, I'm, I want You. I want to be fully in. And uh, so... One of the places, and I hear this from time to time, not all the time, but from time to time, when I'm talking with somebody about baptism. We have a baptism Sunday next week. If there's anybody that needs to be baptized, man, I encourage you. If you've not been baptized in Jesus and you're a follower of Him, let's, let's do that next week. Let's don't put it off anymore. Let's do that next week. And in having that conversation, every now and then I'll have a conversation where somebody goes, I... I don't want to be baptized. I feel like it's a work or we have to go on and on about how baptism isn't a work. And it's like, Nobody's doing that in the New Testament. Nobody, nobody's talking about that. It's like, that's, that's, I, I think it kind of comes out of where we've overemphasized the faith piece and therefore, like, there's no active response. Like, there's all kinds of active responses to, to walk with the Lord. And so in the, in Acts, nobody's, you know, Acts 16, the jailer about to kill himself, Paul says, you know, believe on the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved. And they were baptized right then. That night, did they know enough of the right stuff? I think not. I think that they didn't know enough of the right stuff on the first day. If we get into this kind of how much do you know deal rather than just I'm putting my hope in Jesus. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't. Predestination, free will. I got some thoughts, you know. We can have a conversation. It doesn't belong in the center there with Jesus, though. It just doesn't belong there. And so, and and uh, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch, you know, hey, here's water right here, and all he's got that we know about is it's, it's he got a sermon out of Isaiah 53, and got some stuff about Jesus there, and got baptized. 
My, my point there is, it's, it's not a work. Don't, don't think about it like that. It, it, because if, we, if we're thinking like that, we'll ultimately start doing that with our faith. And, and you'll hear people, it's that whole at the state fair thing, I gotta hit the faith thing and I gotta hit it just right and up the thing just a little bit like halfway is saving faith. I mean, that's just like, can we just like not say that word? Because like, well, you know, they, they fell away. They didn't have saving faith. Talk about not assuring. Like, uh, there's a possibility I can have faith, but not saving faith. All I'm doing is trusting in Jesus. I, this is the stuff I'm wrestling. I, I want to help everybody see this. Like, it's a big deal that our faith is in the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Our faith is in the faithful. Like, He did it. He's faithful. We're, Lord, Lord, we, as much as, as much as I love, I love you. As much as I'm believing the truth, I'm hoping to do that, but right's better than wrong. But I've grown over the years. I don't know about you guys. I, I believe stuff now that I think is more true than, than I knew about when I was first on the journey. And that's, I think that's right. We do the cheering and then we do the journey with Jesus, the discipleship part. It's not just a decision. It's a, it's a life of discipleship. And so, you know, baptism is like, we're saying, we're, we're um, the picture of my sins being forgiven, of being clothed with Christ, of dying with Christ, of having my heart set apart for Jesus, the, the circumcision of the heart. You know, my heart is for him. And so all of that is, is happening there. And, and if we don't make room for putting Jesus at the center, then all of these other commands are going to drive us batty. And we're going to just go, I don't want to be a legalist or have all those conversations all the time. Paul's going to say in just a little bit here, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Like, that's the only thing that counts is faith doing stuff that looks like love. Like, it matters how we respond, you know, and, but we don't have to like loop on, am I doing enough and all, just follow Jesus. Put your hope in His faithfulness. He is the crucified and resurrected Lord of the world. It changed, everything has changed. New creation has come. We are living in the in-between time between the old age and the new age. And we are living by faith in the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. And it reframes everything with Jesus at, at the center. Not Jesus plus the law. Jesus plus works. Jesus plus being right. Being right enough. Jesus plus humanism. Jesus plus my experience. There's all kinds of things we could put in there. And it's just the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. I'm trying to preach Christ to you in this. He's done it. And that put that reframe back up, if you would. So, so as we're thinking about us being a part of the family, as we're thinking about us being a part of a story, can we just imagine ourselves taking this piece of stained glass and just walking through life with it? Walking through all of life. My relationships, my marriage, my, my parenting, my job, my vocation, whatever it is I'm doing, and I'm taking this lens of the crucified and resurrected Lord, the story that I'm a part of, and I'm not just living by the American story, I'm living in the story of God. And God's got something that He wants me to, he wants me to see my friends, my college uh, 
people that I'm in college with through this lens, through the story, reframing all of life through the story of Jesus Christ and how we've been included in this family, baptized into this family where the walls are down. All the different ethnicities where the walls are down. There's not not barriers and where we actually are intentional about, about loving our brothers and our sisters and what that means for us. So the question then here as I'm wrapping this up is, what does this mean for you? Just let that, let that sink in a little bit. What's that mean for you? And what's it mean for, for me? What's it mean for us? to We're driving around and we've got that, that lens going on there. How's that going to affect us? For some reason, we're finishing this sermon much earlier than normal. And so, uh, I want to just, I, I don't, it's maybe too, too many people to try to do this, but what's, when you're hearing this, what's, what are you thinking? And just, I'll just take a couple, uh, you're like, wow, you're asking for <laughs> immediate feedback. I mean, what are you thinking right now? How, what does this mean? This kind of a, what, what might that mean for us? Give it a thought. Yeah. Seeing people through a redemptive lens. Yeah, J.D. Dropping off judgment. Okay, that's huge, right? Yeah, say the first part again. Consisting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, somebody in first service said, this is a, I'm, I'm seeing this is about transformation. About us being transformed, conformed to the image of Christ. Yes. Yeah. She's saying he is the overcomer. We can't. We can't do it, but he can. It's that whole thing. There's one person that can live the Christian life. That's where we're just we're magnifying Jesus and his faithfulness, his life in us by his Spirit. Okay. Diana said repentance and imagination. I just want to park there for just a second because that's. We said that at the start of the series, like we gotta just go. It's okay for all of us that we're repenting. We, we haven't we haven't arrived, and so it does take aligning our thinking, but it also takes imagination and creativity to think about what's it going to look like, what's going to be different in my life. Just absolutely huge. Yeah, and it is a call to surrender. It's another call to lay down. Our lives so that we can trust Jesus. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So if I'm looking at people in my life, if there's people that if I'm looking through this frame, then I'm, I'm going to have to forgive them because I've been forgiven. So I forgive them like I've been forgiven. Somebody else back here. Yeah. Come on, man. Those. Yeah. Jesus has done it all for us. We just face Him. Face the cross. Yes. One more. Everything behind... Yes. Behind the lens is free. Yeah. There's freedom on the other side of that. 
And that's, that's huge. And that's a great, I'll just, uh, amen, way to make the last point. <laughs> because that's, where, that's, what, that's Paul's point. Paul's point is, on the other side of that is freedom. Don't, don't, don't go back to slavery. Y'all stand up. Let's respond to the Lord here a little bit. Ministry team, come on up. Worship team, come on up. If you're visiting with us, we do this at the end of every service. We just take a little time to pray and to just pray in what God's doing or speaking uh, to us. And, and again, I think the big thing on this message is probably it's going to be something to do with reframing, repentance, imagination, that kind of thing. But it might be it's the way you look at your friends. It's the way you look at work or what you're doing in the city. You know, how, how does that... How's that going to be impacted? How do you need prayer about that reframe in life? And and again, if if anybody again, if you man get some, get some prayer, if you need to be baptized or if you want to give your life to Jesus and really start following Him, let today be that day. Today is the day of salvation. But whatever your need is, if any other kind of personal stuff going on, we believe God answers prayer in the name of Jesus. So come and get prayer. Pray with somebody there that you came with. But let's just, we've got some time. We're going to take a few minutes. Press into the Lord. Father, meet us today. Meet us right here in this moment. Just in the midst of our struggle, in the midst of our need, in the midst of an opportunity, Lord, to dream about what could look different in our lives. So, Lord, would You do that? Every family, every person, every, every life. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Now, you guys, be bold. Whatever's going on, come and get prayer. He meets us right here. Reframe.